This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm actually just going to... Right, so this is going to be... Let me see. Now, I'm just checking onto YouTube here now, guys. Uh, which one am I looking for? I'm on the Boz and Bovril site, but, you know, the latest one is 5A. And... Oh, that should be hitting me up live. Right, let's just have a look. Boz and Bovril. We're live, we're live now, lads. Just playing. Yeah, that's it there. That's it. Yeah, number six. Episode six. Yeah. <clears throat> I've got it up on the tablet there, so it's not interfering with the laptop. So what about you, Paul? Have been Welcome to Celtic Rumours TV, the Boys and Bottles broadcast with your hosts, Mark, Chris and myself, Paul. On today's show, we're going to take a look at the last match between Celtic and Falkirk. We're going to talk about James Forrest and what's, what it's been like to have him back. Chris will be taking us through our rumours and our new managers and he'll be also talking about what type of contracts our managers will be on. For, uh, then we'll be moving to live chats, but first I just want to hand off to Mark. Mark, off to you. Uh, thanks for that, Chris. Just wish everybody a happy Easter. I hope you've had a nice time. Spend quality time with your families and that. Uh, first off, I'd, I'd just like to thank everybody. We've reached over 300 subscribers, which for a couple of weeks is unbelievable. I'd just like to really thank everybody who subscribed. And if you haven't, if you want to hit the subscribe button, that would be great. <laughs> Secondly, I wish a massive happy, happy birthday today. John John Hudson, legend, and our own legend on the forum, AGG of Glasgow Green. I think that's him. That's like 65 a day. Uh, so happy birthday to you, to you guys. Uh, that's really all I had to shout outs for. So who's we got coming in? Chris. Yeah. Yes, I'll absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, remember, do send us any messages, if you want to get on live, do follow the Skype link that uh, Ed had put up, or Mark um, had put up on the forum and so on, if you're not sure what that is and you want to be involved, just send us a message and we'll send you the link to it. Uh, <clears throat> the first thing we're going to have a little look at today is the situation of contracts. Uh, 
specifically what we're talking about is manager contracts and um, what seems to be most common these days for managers is either a fixed term contract or a rolling contract now i've been having a bit of a look at this and trust me when i say it contract law in itself is a very very specialized field in the legal world and it needs a long period of study. It usually takes years to have a full knowledge of the ins and outs of the many types of contracts that are available. It's you know so complex it's so that many lawyers actually make an entire career out of it. And it becomes their sole area of speciality, whether it's dealing with everyday people like ourselves and everyday jobs or high profile leaders in industry or sport. Now, football manager contracts can be very, very complicated, and that's often the reason why they take an awful lot longer to negotiate. Now, metaphorically speaking, no matter what contract is being used for football managers, on one hand, some of the content of the contract is greeting the new manager with a smile at the front door when he signs it. But on the other hand, some of the content is actually showing them that if results aren't good, the door hinges can open outwards as well as inwards, and he can be taking that walk just as easily if it doesn't work out. So in effect, what I'm saying is that whilst the salary and other terms will be agreed at the outset in the contract, it usually also includes severance terms as well. So what we're going to look at briefly, and I do mean briefly, are the main differences between a fixed term contract and a rolling contract for football managers and the main pros and cons for each of them and how they affect both parties. So we'll look briefly at a fixed term contract. Now, we've all heard the headlines in football. Joe Bloggs signs five-year deal to manage United and so on. And essentially what that means is that the manager has a five-year deal at the club. If it all goes well, he might get to year three or four, and then he and the club can perhaps agree a further extension, even though the original contract hasn't ended or even got close to it. So the pros of a fixed-term contract, well, for the club to begin with, they have secured the manager for a fixed term, and it gives them some foundation to build on moving forward. If he's successful and he then attracts the attention of another club, then at least the existing club is in a position where it can demand substantial compensation to help them find a replacement. Now, a big benefit for the manager of a fixed-term contract is that he has a greater sense himself of long-term security, but he also knows in the background that if it does go wrong, then it gives him the chance to settle for a pretty large payoff. So even if he's walking away hurt by the failure, he can self-medicate by buying a new Ferrari or a villa in Spain or maybe both. So the downsides of a fixed-term contract um, for the club, well, they could find themselves paying a huge amount of compensation to get rid of a manager if it's not working out. Uh, because he still has the remainder of the contract technically still still to run. Now, for the manager, one of the downsides is that a long-term could, contract could work against him if, he, if, for example, his dream club comes in. 
two years into a five-year contract, then his existing club can demand a huge amount of compensation in order for him to leave. It could be the difference between him going or not going. So, in effect, the the termination of a long-term contract can be a very, very tricky affair. Um, If things are not going well, even after one season and the club want to sack him, or try to come to a mutual agreement about his departure, then both sides have to sit down and look at the termination of it. And they have to do so in a way that suits them. They don't have to think about the other party largely, uh, but they have to do what suits them. And when that happens, then it usually comes down to money and it always ends up in a game of cat and mouse to work out a settlement. So we... uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if, if a manager is unhappy uh, with any settlement, you know, the club can also invoke clauses like stopping the manager from working elsewhere for a period of time unless he agrees to some kind of settlement or at least shows his willingness to come to a settlement. <clears throat> for most managers, if they leave one club, what they want to do is try and move on to another one right away. So if they're going to be subjected to clauses, you know, if we're paying you X pounds, then you can't work anywhere else for a certain period of time. Most managers don't want that. And given the high profile nature of the job, it may not look particularly good to a new employer if the manager shows himself to be a difficult employee at the club he's currently at. Bearing in mind that he's probably been very, very well paid so far in his career. So, you know, it, it just it, it throws up more potential problems if they want to try and terminate a contract partway through it. If everything is going well, like I said earlier, they might come to three years into a five year contract and they say, you know, you love us. We love you. Let's extend that contract for another whatever it is, period of time. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, there are potential issues with fixed-term contracts. Now, in stark contrast to that, we then have the rolling contract. Now, of course, it isn't common for players to have rolling contracts because it's it's the very length of the remaining contract at a club that usually determines the size of the transfer fee a club can ask for a player. So they look upon a, a player as an asset of the club. And it's usually in their interest to have him tied down. To, you know, if he's a decent player, of course, it's usually in their interest to have him tied down to a deal and then review it on a regular basis to make sure that he consider that he continues to be an asset for the club. So on it, for the purposes of what we're looking at today, we're looking at rolling contracts for managers. Now, this kind of contract is very common in the world of football managers and probably more common than most fans realize. Um, you know, in reality, it is considered to be a much easier contract to work with as long as both the club and the manager agree at the beginning. You know, now, there are some managers who won't consider a rolling contract because of the potential loss of money if it doesn't work out for them at a club. But I think it's fair to say that in most cases, a club will certainly prefer it because it gives them a fixed financial liability if things are not going well and they want to ship a manager out. But just like a fixed term contract, a rolling term contract, uh, the terms of it are agreed 
um, at the beginning. You know that that basically you know that doesn't change for any of them. Um, they uh, you know, the first example of a contract that I or of a rolling contact that I remember was when Martin O'Neill joined Celtic. Now I'm not saying it didn't happen anywhere else before, but that was the first one that sort of became important to me. <laughs> Initially, I thought. It was odd, and I felt that it showed a lack of commitment by the club and uh, by just giving a one-year rolling contract. But in reality, it was, and it continues to be, a hugely flexible contract option for football managers, again, as long as both parties are comfortable with it. Now, Martin O'Neill said that <clears throat> he had a new 12-month con contract every morning that he woke up. That was the way his deal was structured. And at the time, I didn't really know what he meant by that. But when you break it down, what it really meant is that he had an indefinite contract with Celtic. And the 12-month aspect of it simply meant that either he or the club could give the other party 12 months notice to terminate the deal. If the club exercised that option, then the manager would be entitled to 12 months' salary as a settlement. And if the manager exercised that option and saw out the contract, then the club knew that they had 12 months to find a replacement manager. Obviously, it could also mean that the club could go out tomorrow and find a new manager and simply pay the existing manager off. And usually, that would be completed without any objection. So... The main benefits of a rolling contract for the club is that they have a defined payoff. They know it well in advance. If we ever want to get rid of Jimmy, then basically what we're paying is a one-year salary. For the manager himself, the benefit he has is that he has 12 months salary guaranteed and neither party needs to get involved in this game of cat and mouse and arguing about how it's going to be settled and so on. Now, the downside, there is, of course, a downside for both parties to uh, a rolling contract for the club. Let's say they bring a, play, uh, a manager in and he has been hugely successful for them. Then another club could come in and try and take him away, knowing that they wouldn't have to pay a huge amount of compensation to get him, bearing in mind that all they have to do is wait for a year and they get him for nothing. It's the same way if you look at a player coming into the last year of his contract. If he's a decent player and the club values him, they don't like it. They get nervous about last year contracts. So they do try and sign them up for longer contracts. It's the same scenario with a manager. So the downside for a manager of, of a rolling contract is that, yes, you know, by, by agreeing to a 12-month rolling contract, then they don't have that potentially large payoff compared to if he were, for example, sacked a year into a four- or five-year contract. He could, in theory, demand an awful lot more than 12-month salary to settle that agreement. So... You know, with contracts, guys, I'm trying to keep it very, very simple because trust me, the, the contract law is hugely, hugely complex. Um, but I've tried to keep it short and to the point, and I sincerely hope it goes some way to explain the main differences between the two. 
both contract types have their strengths and their weaknesses, but what's important for anyone who signs them, as with every one of us in the decisions we make in everyday life, is that both parties are happy with what they sign up to at the beginning. And they can't complain if it goes against them somewhere down the line. You know, they know the pitfalls, they know the securities of both. So on that note, I'll hand you all back to a safe pair of hands. Paul, back to you. Yeah, so like we're, we're looking at that, and, and we know Celtic have done that for years, this one-year loan contract. Do you think that has put off managers actually coming to the club and managers that were being linked with this year? Would they be wanting to look for a more four-year contract rather than this one-year contract? Like, if he's going to get a four-year contract, the club will say to him, right, it's a four-year project, four-year rebuild, rather than this rolling contract, the uncertainty of being there at the end of the season, is the contract going to roll on? What's your opinion on that? Well, well, you know, in all fairness, Paul, you know, and and that is a good point that you make. Uh, whoever our next manager is, uh, you know, just because Celtic have normally used rolling contracts in more mm. recent years, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're against the option of a fixed contract if they feel that they've got the right man for the job, and they feel that he's as committed to the cause as they are. So, really, when it comes to contract negotiation, you know, it isn't this. It isn't a a case of Celtic only offer rolling contracts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That may be their preference, and you can understand why there are advantages to it for the club. But it doesn't mean that it's set in stone that that's the way it's going to be. Oh, well, yeah. They didn't have Rogers on a rolling contract, and that worked out well for us. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Like, you know, we, we kind of gave Rogers a plan. You know, we, we gave him a contract. Well, he left through that contract. But if a new manager's coming in, if it's going to be Eddie Howe, if we don't know whoever's going to be at the club, like, is this going to be their selling point, right? For three, three, four-year contract. There's a big will, yeah. rebuild coming in. We'll, give, we'll be give you four-year contract. We want you in place for these four years. Do you think they're going to, are, are they going to say, look, one-year roll contract? I think if they're trying to sell... The project, there's no point to offering a guy a one-year own contract. Mm-hmm. Whoever's coming in as Celtic manager's got to, well, initially at least agree to be here for four or five years to see the deal, to see the job finished kind of idea. So, yeah, I just get the, the impression, like, if if we said, we know there's a big rebuild this season, and if the club are suggesting a one-year own contract, if I was a manager going, well, one-year own contract... Do I want to stay here for like one year long contract? Do I want some security for four, five year contract? Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, if I well, was the manager, I'd be looking at that way. Yeah, well, you see, there's a very good point, you know, just on the live stream there. George McDowell, McDowell um, you know, had mentioned, you know, uh, Celtic got a, a really, really good compensation package for Rogers. Mm-hmm. What rumored to be somewhere around about eight or nine million pounds or somewhere in that ballpark. He wouldn't have got that or Celtic wouldn't have got that had Rogers been on a one year rolling contract. So you know so there are the benefits coming through there of uh what I'd said earlier about the club can benefit if another club comes in and wants to take their star man, which Rogers was for us. He was an absolute top lad. Um uh, when he was with the club as manager, and that's the benefit to the club, uh, you know. But those things can, you know, again, it's 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 a trade-off. You know, it's wondering, you know, what will happen in this scenario. You know, um, Rogers. Uh, to be honest, I believe that when Rogers signed with Celtic for what was it, a three or a four-year contract? Oh, not I, 
It wasn't in a few folk in the chat are saying it. Rogers signed on a one-year long contract, and then from day one. Was that from day one, Mark? Yes. See, initially it was a one-year rolling contract, uh huh. And then after right, so he self get the. So yes, absolutely. That's the way we go. So is it that we give them, we offer them the one-year one contract, see what way cause then we move into kind of a more long-term contract with them then. Maybe that suited Rogers. Maybe Rogers mm-hmm. was going to say, oh, yeah. I don't really fancy it up here. And it was his, he'd a get out there as well then. Well, yeah. in hindsight, you know, again, when we look back at that, guys, if Rogers started off in a rolling contract and then got a longer term contract, that was clearly a very clever move from Peter Lawwell because that's something he would have been instrumental in at the time. Um, so for all our criticism of Lawwell, you know, et cetera, et cetera, we can go on about that all day. That was actually one of that was one of his finer moves because if Rogers had been kept on a one year rolling contract, we would never have got eight or nine million or whatever the figure was for him to go to Leicester. Just on that, uh, Ter- Terence Casey, surely it makes sense to agree a compensation package if a manager leaves a certain percentage and have it in a contract. That... But it's always in a contract. It's, so it's always in a contract, in the contract. anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And so, like I said at the very beginning, whilst they're showing you the door and saying welcome in, they're also telling you that the door works both ways. And if it doesn't work out, here's how we're going to send you out. This is the deal we're going to do to, to get rid of you. Yeah, give a man, another one here from Alexander, give a man a minimum four-year contract extended if he needs it. So I think people are kind of saying they give him kind of a long-term contract instead of this one-year rolling kind of thing starting off with but. We can actually see why the club offered that now, the one year run, prove yourself, and then we kind of give you this long term rolling contract, then, isn't it? You know? I think we're in a position now, though, where a, a, a manager of potential quality, whether it's Eddie, Eddie Howe or whoever, they are now in a strong position where they can come in seeing, you know, look, as we all know, the turmoil that has happened at Celtic this year. Uh, a decent manager of quality can, I believe, come in and say, look, if you want me, these are the terms that I'm prepared to come on. Now, mm-hmm. a new manager, you know, simply because, you know, they're obviously going to put it to the club and say, look, you're not looking at a six-month fix here. You're looking at a two, three or whatever season fix here. If exactly. you want me here for that period of time, I want you to show me the commitment to that. That's what we have there from Glasgow Green. I don't think a one-year Warren contract would interest a big manager. You know, like if someone who's been in the Premier League deciding the club, but like, is there many clubs out there that actually do a one-year Warren contract? Well, it's not the way that yeah. com- it's rare for you know, it's not that common, yeah. But as I said earlier on, maybe these managers just maybe they're saying, "Oh, what if I sign this four-year contract and a year down the line, my wife wants me back down in Bournemouth?" So the one-year mm-hmm. contract could work either way. It's the geese the managers are get out as well if they, if they don't settle up here or their family doesn't they Going on yep. there actually, Mark, there, there's, a, there's a good one here from Iceman. Would Eddie Howe prefer a long-term contract to offer more security and allow him to move his family up to Glasgow instead of a one-year loan contract? There's long-term, he can move his family up if he knows he's going to be there for three, four years. You know? You can... You can understand why that would appeal to him. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, really, the only way to know whether a rolling contract or a long fixed term contract was the right choice is when you look in hindsight and say, did we, did, 
you know, did did we make the right call there? Because when you're planning in advance, you know, it's it's to, listen. Nobody knows if we're going to be alive tomorrow. Never mind, still be in good health and still have the same frame of mind and still have the same enthusiasm for for uh, whatever the challenge is. So it it's difficult to know. Um, I imagine Eddie Howe is in a very strong position now, if it's him that is coming next, to actually demand a long-term contract and any manager of any credibility. Exactly. I mean, there are managers that wouldn't accept a rolling contract. You know, you take, I mean, for example, Pep Guardiola's next job when he decides to, to leave City or Jurgen Klopp when he decides to leave Liverpool, they'll not go anywhere in a, on a 12-year or 12-month rolling contract. They'll be looking for long-term stability because they will argue it's this long-term commitment that allows me to build in the philosophies that first attracted you to come and talk to me. And Exactly. Project. Exactly. And the insurance policy for that manager is if I go to your club and it turns out to be a horror show, then I know that financially I'm going to be well looked after because whilst it's rare for a club to ever pay out every penny of the duration of a long-term contract. They usually come to some compromise somewhere along the line because, you know, it then allows that manager to go and work elsewhere. Otherwise, he would have to, you know, be sitting on his hands every day or cutting the grass every day. Um, That's what gardening well, well, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And any manager who's still a positive, enthusiastic manager doesn't want that. But those managers are usually in a position, as I mentioned earlier, they have been fantastically well paid. They're not sitting waiting, how am I going to pay the mortgage? You know, these guys are not going to have a mortgage, you know. So there, there is, of course, going to be the ego thing come into it, you know, and I'm not accepting this and, I'm, and, and so on. But eventually there has to be an agreement between the club and the manager if both parties want to move on uninhibited that they have to come to some sort of agreement. But it is exceptionally rare that any club will ever, will ever pay every penny of every year of that contract that is left. Perfect. So I think we're going to move on. I think that's all the kind of managers think we can comment on points as we don't know who the manager is and what contract we're going to be looking at. So just um, just just talk about there, uh, Chris. Have you any more rumours on this side of the club? Are we moving on from this totally? Oh, listen, you know, at the end of the day, Paul, you know, the rumours are, uh, you know, big and getting bigger, uh, you know, uh, as every day goes by. But it's, you know, Rumours are a strange thing. And by the way, guys, before we mention any rumours, um, let me just make it clear to you all, rumours are exactly that. So I'm not claiming to have any inside knowledge and neither do Mark or Paul. So anything I'm reporting is based on nothing more than is being reported and widely available in the media. So please do not listen to the, to today's show and then go online and gamble your wife's housekeeping money on the strength of anything you there's hear. Actually, there's you know, something actually there I wanted to get your opinion just before we move on to the next topic is, I read there this morning, is Kyle Joseph, the lad from Sheffield Wednesday. I actually thought his deal was done, but supposedly Newcastle are actually looking at him and kind of 
looking under our noses to do the same as Liverpool did with Ben Davis. And if you hear anything on that? Well, no, uh, but, uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, we're in a position where no, uh, you know, the, chef, the thing about Sheffield Wednesday announced that he signed a pre-contract with Celtic. Who's this, Cal Joseph you're talking about? Or, or yes. So, yeah, Cal Joseph. Oh, yeah. I'm getting mixed up with that, Liam. With Liam. Yeah, no, no, ah. Liam Shaw is different. No, but as far as, as, far as the rumours are concerned, guys, like I say, you know, do your own research and satisfy yourselves about whether a story is fact or fiction. Um, I think the biggest story that we need to be thinking about at the minute, as far as rumours is concerned, is the news that's coming out today, if it's true, is about Don Mackay actually joining Celtic, possibly as soon as tomorrow. Um, it, and to be honest, if that happens, it doesn't come as any surprise to me at all, because with the size of the task in hand, I never for once thought that he was going to work at the RFU every day until the 30th of June and then walk into Celtic Park the next day as a yeah. guy. It exactly. was never it was never going to happen. So he's clearly already involved in the manager recruitment process because he met with Eddie Howe last week. And I'm sure he's... He's got his fingers dipped into lots of other things at Celtic as well, uh, you know, um, all, um, that are maybe not public. So if both parties are agreed, then it has to be a good thing and it can only be a good statement from the club. Um, if the rumours are correct, though, we could be about to make a double statement to the stock exchange because um, for the manager role, Eddie Howe continues to lead the field. Uh, some say he'll be announced tomorrow, whilst others like JFP and Lennon at work are still harbouring thoughts that Kino's going to make a late run on the rails and pip him at the post. Um, uh, I do say that in jest, by the way, and I'm sure JFP will make his position clear when he comes on uh, shortly. Uh, but as Paul mentioned, uh, um, uh, like I say, Paul mentioned that, that JFP is going to be joining us. But it appears that Davy Proven has been feeding that story about Kino. Uh, I think he must have been in the stable, given given him some steroids, because he clearly favours the the gentle natured former Man United legend. So we'll just have to see what happens with that. Um, the uh, but one thing that is interesting, and perhaps it's further proof, if it were needed, that media sites and newspapers are full of nonsense most of the time is that ever since it became official that Eddie Howe met with Celtic last week, pretty much every one of the other so-called odds-on favourites in the race, they seem to have either pulled up or fallen at the last hurdle because their names have pretty much vanished from the commentary altogether. So it's a case of fingers crossed for us all and we'll just see what happens very soon. Now, as a footnote though, I think it's worth remembering that even if Eddie Howe is appointed, in the next few days, he may not necessarily take the reins with immediate effect because there has been talk for a while that John Kennedy was promised the role until the end of the season, and that may well still happen. But regardless of what happens, I think he deserves a role in the new setup. He has received a lot of unfair flack, in my opinion, for Lennon's failed season. But before this season even began, John Kennedy was more praised than criticised for his behind-the-scenes contribution to the club. You know, he's clearly a guy that's Celtic through and through, and he deserves to be rewarded. Moving just quickly then onto the player side, uh, rumours. 
Well, as far as players leaving, it's the usual suspects. It's a normal speculation. There's a lot of media talk about certain players and unnamed people claiming to be close to them, saying one thing and another. But, you know, apart from a small handful of exceptions, and I'm talking primarily the likes of Edward and I or maybe one or two others, I wouldn't really be giving those rumours an awful lot of recognition at the minute. And I would I would urge you all to think the same way because the new manager, whoever he is, he'll want to see what he has to work with before deciding who he can work without. But something incidentally that might be happening, and I think it was mentioned uh, on the forum just over a week ago by, I think it was Kev83 mentioned it, uh, about Patrick Clamalla possibly going to America on either a loan or a permanent move. Now, on the weekend rumour that we did, I said I had found nothing on that story to give it any credibility, but it seems to be gathering a bit of a head of steam. And there are numerous media outlets uh, reporting that um, it is... It, 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 story. Sorry? Maybe they've picked up Kev's story. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, it, maybe that's what it is. But apparently New York Red Bulls are possibly interested. So again, we'll wait and see. But, you know, if that does come through, then hats off to Kev, because when he first mentioned it, it was way under the radar. Uh, coming to the end here, Barkas rumor still going on. Um, AEK allegedly interested in taking him back in some capacity, possibly in loan, but he seems reluctant to go. Now, that could be an interesting decision by him if it's true. Like many have said, he didn't become a bad uh, goalkeeper overnight. Moving on, Packy Bonner reckons Griff is finished at Celtic. It is starting to look that way, and if it is true, then in my opinion, he has wasted his talent through his other distractions in life, and it'll be a shame if it does happen. But if the club makes that decision, then we'll have to support it. Callum McGregor, latest rumours suggest that Leicester could make a move for him this summer. My take is that if he wants to leave, and only if he wants to leave, then having Leicester come in for him could possibly generate interest from other clubs because they will know that Rodgers has worked with them, and if he's interested, perhaps they should be too. And that can only help start a financial battle that would ultimately benefit Celtic. Um, uh, finally, on players going, um, you know, listen, I keep saying it, but I'm still convinced that letting Bruni leave was a huge mistake. So much of his heart still at Celtic. Club should have kept him. Finally, on players uh, coming in, we're seeing lots of speculation about Eddie ha- who Eddie Howe may bring in if he is the new manager. There's been talk of him raiding Bournemouth for certain players like the big defender Steve Cook. Now, you know, he's coming up on 30, maybe still has a few years left in him. And the goalkeeper, um, Asmir Begovic, now he's not far off 34, but in, goal term, in goalkeeper terms, he's still in his prime. Now, it was originally claimed that both were out of contract at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. But I've read a few unconfirmed stories that both had actually signed unreported extensions not very long ago. But again, unless unless we know, we just have to guess at that. So as far as rumours are concerned, guys, that pretty much sums it up for now. But we'll keep an eye on the news wires before the next rumours round up. And in the meantime, it's back to Mark and Paul. Over to you guys. So we're going to move on there. We just jump back. We're going to talk about uh, the match on Saturday. Uh, fair enough. We won 3-0. It was a great scoreline. Good to see James Forrest and Christie on the score seat for a change. But my situation is we still took the second half 
to get this game under wraps again. We actually we just couldn't get this game done and dusted in the first half, and I think that's been the problem this season. Is that the the first half of the of the match we just cannot play and 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 kill off a game in the in the first in the first half. Thoughts there? That's been, that's been one of our major problems for a long time. It hasn't touched. Mm-hmm. Struggling for struggling for goals. I mean, we played some good football on Saturday, uh, but it was still, as you said, we, we should have been hammering them. What was it? We had 42 shots at goal. Yeah, we yeah. We should have been dead and buried long before half-time. That's, what do you think you're at best? I think you're right, Mark. And I think, you know, really it comes down to, listen, you know, yes, you know, if you were to look at that game purely based on the stats, you would say Celtic destroyed them. Um, yes, okay, we ran out comfortable 3 0 win. I don't think they had a shot in the entire game on, you know, on target or off target. Uh, but yes, you know, I think it really comes down to player confidence in front of goal. You know, Griff, Griff got a good chance. He had two or three clear cut chances. He wasn't able to make the most of them. And I just think it comes down to the attacking confidence. Um, uh, uh, last Saturday, uh, we should have, as you say, Mark, put the game to bed long before halftime. Uh, you know, look at look at Sevco yesterday against uh, Cove Rangers. You know they were four 0 up at halftime. Yeah, okay, they didn't score in the second half, but like they didn't need to. You know the damage was. But why, but, but, but why is that? That's that's. But why is that? Like like it's been it's been like this for the whole season that we just can't we just can't get motivated for the first half. I mean, if you're league, you know, Chester. You'd be jumping at your chance to start, wouldn't you? You should be saying, "I'm going out here. I'm going. To, I'm going to do everything I can to score a hat trick at least the other day." No offence to disrespect to Falkirk, but there's a big, big gulf between the two clubs. Players like Griffiths should have been getting in there and saying, "I'm. I know it's only Falkirk, but if I get three goals here, that's going to put. That's going to do me good. That's going to make me look well in the eyes." Yeah, of exactly. Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, though, with any, you know, irrespective of what walk of life you're in, when you're suffering from a lack of confidence, then you do get an opportunity. It's very easy to try and grasp at it too quickly and uh, and, and then miss the opportunity that that was actually presented. And football being such a fast moving sport, of course, these these opportunities come and go in half a second. And uh, when a player's confidence is low, you know, I think it needs, you know, it takes them to have numerous opportunities before they get one. But when they get one, you quickly find that they get two and three. And I think really that just seems to be a major thing for us right across the um, the attacking side of the team this season. There's just been that lack of confidence. And I think a lot of that front lack, the 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 striker confidence or the lack of it has came from the lack of confidence basically right back to the goalkeeper. It just seems to be a lack of team confidence and everybody suffers it to varying degrees as a result of it. <clears throat> Moving on from that, it was good to see him back and it was good to see him actually have a good game. And he actually showed us what we've missed all this season was uh, was we James Forrest. You know what he showed us what we're missing down that right wing. What we've played numerous players in that position this season. No one could have filled it. And it was good to have him back yesterday. Mark? Oh, I definitely. I, I keep saying I've, I've not really been for his biggest fan, but you can't argue with what he's gave us in goals and assists over the years. But it was good to see him back. But I think it just, when he was out again, it highlights the need 
to get a backup right winger in for next season. Mm-hmm. Forrest, I think he's getting older as well. We'll maybe pick up wee niggles now and again. We the can... best time I saw Forrest. Sorry, Matt, go on. I'm just going to just going to say that we can't go back to trying to play a central midfielder out in the right wing. We need to get a understudy right winger in, or even is there one in the youth team that can make a step up to be back up? What do you think, Bestie? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right, Mark. Um, you know, I think just overall, you know, uh, yeah, we Jamesy, and I know that you've mentioned a few times in the forum, Mark, that, you know, you've had your criticisms of him. And I think the criticisms that you had pointed out about him were absolutely, you know, well-founded because there were times when he did flatter to deceive. But this season, we, you know, it shows you, just how important a player he has been for us because we have missed him hugely and I think a huge part of our game does rely on him or at least in a formation that includes them as someone playing in that position and we haven't been able to replace him and have even a quarter of the impact that he has had in games. So, uh, you know, hail, hail, Jamesy, good to see you back. I'm glad to see you and I hope you're here for many seasons to come. I think the best uh, season I saw of James Forrest uh, is when we have uh, we when we had Patrick Roberts on the books and two of them were playing against each other and, and that that just shows it's good to have two people in the one position that are going to compete with each other and up the levels of football that they're going to play, you know. Well, yeah, most players got to know that we've said before guys like McGregor, no matter how rubbish they play, they're starting every week. That's no right. Players have got to know if you're not playing well, you're out the team. Do you start proving in training that you deserve a chance again? I don't mean just having one bad game. I'm talking about over a consistent period. If a player's in a bit of a bad form, he should be dropped. Simple as that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But that's the problem uh, at the moment. But in this squad, we actually don't have people to come into these positions to drop these players, really, do we? You know? This... But Yeah, but if you look there, I mean, as, as Al, Al Alexander there says on the, on the live chat, you know, Kennedy has us playing some good football. And uh, um, as I think it Buzz, Buzz had, had thrown up a stat there that I thought actually was quite impressive. The number of shots, yeah, under Kennedy from Buzz. 97, yeah. 97 shots in four games. You know, I think you know, any club in any league in any country would you know if you were to offer them 97 shots now that's not 97 on target obviously but you know that's up to the player whether it's on target or not but to have a team set up in a formation that allows you the opportunity to have 97 shots in four games you know if Eddie Howe or whoever comes in and was able to produce those sort of stats, you know, he'd be hailed as a hero. And this all comes back to, the, you know, to part of the what I was saying earlier. You know, Kennedy doesn't get Kennedy doesn't get enough praise. Um, uh, he, he he seems to be a guy. You know, he's not out looking for the praise. He's totally committed to the club. And you know, but ninety-seven shots in four games. Who could argue with that? You know, those are very, very good. Okay, almost half of them came in one game. I appreciate that. But still, it doesn't matter. It's still it's, a it's hell of a lot of attack and play. As you said, Bestie, it's coming down to lack of confidence within our, our strikers. Or is it coming down that our striker, our main striker, doesn't want to be there? And that's why we're not putting away these chances. You know, 
I th- yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, yes, whilst Eddie is playing when he's chosen, you know, it's it's quite clear that his demeanour is it's not what it was when he first made the breakthrough into the first team. You know, look back at Eddie then, you know, he was hungry. He, he you know, he, he put away more opportunities um, in his early days than he has been recently. And, it's, you know, he hasn't, he, he's not an old player at all. You know, he hasn't even reached his full potential yet. Yeah, so yeah. It, re- it clearly is coming down to attitude there, yeah. So we had Iceman there. We had 97 shots, but only five goals. And three of them coming against Falkirk yep. just just shows within a lack of confidence or what it is. We actually don't know what's going on with the strike force. But one thing I want to talk about is Ryan Christie actually keeping the ball down for a change and getting a goal. So thank God he kept the ball down for a change because our pigeon had a fan cam on. Yes. <laughs> and he was flying over Parkhead. And we, I actually thought the pigeon was going to be hit when I saw Christie hit that ball. <laughs> Unfortunately, he kept it down and we got a goal. So yeah. thanks very well, much for Christie for that. Well, the thing is, though, you know, is Christie's perhaps is his uh, adaptation in his play? Is that down to John Kennedy having a word with him? You know, it's could be. Yeah, know, it, yeah. It just shows, yeah. like, but like, I don't know what it is. Is it the way he positions himself? Is he, is is he take taking too much time on the ball before he shoots, or did he have less time yesterday and he shot the ball and he kept it down? You know, have to put those things into kind of factor. You know, is he is he spend, is he spending too much time thinking on the ball and before he shoots and he blows up over the bar? Or I just think you know, time he gets the ball, he's all that's in his mind is I'm going to make space and shoot. That's why, because that's what he seems to do. As soon as the ball gets to him, you know what he's going to do. He's going to make space and shoot. I think it's a matter of of the likes of Christie trying to find that balance. You know, when I get the ball. Do I go and shoot, or do yeah, I exactly, let, exactly. do I lay it do I lay it off to some someone else who maybe is in a better position to either shoot or to set someone else the opportunity to have a go at goal? And you know, when when you see these things happen and, and when you do dissect a lot of them, it it makes you realise. Well, it certainly makes me wonder anyway about Lennon's absolute lack of attention to detail in the game you know Lennon is was more in my opinion a bit of a you know gung-ho guy you know you're playing for Celtic you a top thumper, a top thumper ex- just exactly easy up bone in your head right go there and get into them that kind exactly of- Exactly, without any real strategy, and uh, whereas I mean, I'm, I'm sure someone had posted up on the forum, and I had a look at one of the YouTube videos about how Eddie Howe was working with his players, and it looked like it was a bit of a summer or a holiday training camp, and goodness me, I mean that guy was exceptional in how he was communicating with players, and getting and encouraging them to buy into the system that he was wanting to play. And you could see the players, you know, even just by listening to him, were making those efforts and making those runs and buying into his philosophy. And I thought it was tremendous to watch. You would never have seen something like that from Lennon. Lennon would have been more a a shouter and roaring at players, you know, what the F are you doing? And so on and so on. That, That was his style. And 
what we, you know, which really makes it more more clear to us all that what we need is a manager who actually does have strategic thinking and does have a philosophy, and not only that, can communicate that philosophy and that style of play to the players. And have the players want to buy into his ideas? Yeah. Because at no point a manager coming in and starting trying to implement things, the players are not going to buy into it. But that all comes down to the communication because in any... Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. what I was thinking this season. Yeah. Was there a lack of communication between the players trying to form, do a knee lens formation? But anytime I watched them this season, and not just these, this season, it was going into kind of the end of last season as well and was creeping in all the time that Lennon was there, that the players were kind of getting confused what the position was and what their role was within the team. Well, exactly, you know, yeah, and that's what that's what creates the confusion because at the end of the day, we're not talking about a bunch of guys playing in the local park on a Sunday morning. We're talking professional footballers playing at the top level. And, you know, whilst, yes, it does come down to their ability on the pitch and whether they can kick a ball or whether they can't, they still need encouragement. They still need direction. They still need someone to say to them, this is what I want you to do in your role because if you do this correctly, it allows him to do his job properly and so on and so on. Because the reality is that in any walk of life, you can nearly encourage anyone to do almost anything you want as long as you explain it to them in a way that they understand. And I think that's where Lennon fell down this season. Yeah, so I have one here on Rob McNair. An element of Christie's game has not been evident this season, which is what is what's talking about is his pressing. Christie was very good at pressing and is, and is quicker. This, this could be a major, major bonus for the way that how, how he likes to play. You know how he likes to play this pressing game. Could that suit Christie if he's actually going to be here next season? Or, you know... I don't think, well, I think, I don't think he'll be here. I, really, I don't think he'll be here. Yeah. That's yeah. what Rab's saying. I've seen him saying that. It, it was, he's not really showed it this season, but the last few seasons, the press... Well, Christie was one of the main guys that done the press for us. Yeah, and yeah. He's not been playing up to scratch. It's, that's fell away as well. The whole team has pressed the way it should be pressing. I think the yeah. I think the what what we need to remember, guys, is because we've had a disastrous season, it doesn't mean we have disastrous players. The players that we have are capable of achieving what we want to achieve as long as they are being led by a manager who gives them self-belief, exactly. gets the best out of every one of them because they're all used to playing with each other. I have to remember that, or most of them for quite a few seasons. So that connection has been there for quite some time. And I think, you know, listen, when the players are sitting around on their own, when Lennon was here, I'm sure a lot of them were saying, you know, I just don't understand what's going on. You know, one day you're in, next day I'm in, next day someone else is in, you're playing in this position, and then the week after I'm playing in that position. And I think it all came down, I think I'd mentioned it before in one of our previous podcasts, was the fact that I, I genuinely believe Lennon lost confidence in his own ability and that was translated to the team yeah we're just going to bring on um jfp there now and um mark is going to get him through to the the phone line see on mark john are you here with us john guys can you hear me 
Yeah, fine. How's my new headphones? Are they working? Sounds fine to me. Just very good. That'll save me being the fan of YouTube casher this week. Man. Oh, so John, just moving on. There, just want to get your your thoughts on on this season, basically, and and where do you think we need to move forward? Is it going to be Eddie Howe? How do you think he's going to perform as a manager with Celtic? You know, I I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty funny just to just to revisit some of the things you were talking about the contract and you talking about contracts for a manager. I certainly think. Uh, the one thing I've learned about contracts over the years and contract law or whether it's employment contracts or whether it's uh, law contracts, whatever it is, if, if somebody wants to go, they'll, they'll go. I'm not sure it's a showstopper. If somebody wants to come to the club, they'll come to the club. If the club wants, if somebody, if a boss, if a club wants you away, you'll be away. Um, another thing I know that is if, uh, the only, the only, a contract's only any, any good if a uh, if, if you if you can afford to defend it in court, and um, most most managers are probably in a, in a position to do that. But, uh, so it may offer each party some kind of financial uh, comfort, but I don't I don't think it's a showstopper in terms of whether somebody comes or, or goes. But back to your question, Eddie Howe. Hey, happy Easter, everybody. Anyway, that was that was that was the, the first thing I wanted to say. And happy, happy birthday, very happy times. Happy birthday, to Glasgow Green as well there, but. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm a. I am i mean, I'd be, I'd be delighted just to get back to Parkhead to watch anything after the year that we've all had. Even even given the season we've had, but I, I've got. A, I'm sitting here with a serious question mark over whether um, the Celtic are going to get this right, uh, or whether there's something something more wrong at, at, at the club. Over the years, Celtic's been a. has been an epitome. Of, uh, a professionalism in, in, in many, many ways, including, including Peter Lull. I mean, you know, we could argue all day, but he's interference in, in, in football matters. But that aside, and from a business perspective, the, the others across in Govan, that's for you've seen the, uh, the kind of business dealings and the, the one embarrassment, stumbling through one embarrassment to another. But generally, we've been an epitome of uh, a professionalism, but some of the things recently in terms of statements and some of the actions, right through to our statements, treatment of fans, content shown is what DD's Derek Desmond's interest is he still interested? You know, listening to Celtic TV, it sounds like Pravda. I, I don't know. And back back to Eddie Howe. So are, are we going to get it right? Um, Eddie Howe is he the man? And I listened there to. He's one big plus. He's got one big tick in the box, and you all know what it is before I say it. He's got one big massive thing going for him. Is he's no Roy Keane. <laughs> uh, saying, that, say, saying that, sorry, sorry, bestie. So, sorry, John, how, how can you possibly say it, he's not Roy Keane? You're clearly such a Roy Keane <laughs> fan. And by the way, John, by the way, John, very, very welcome. I, when you first came on there, I tried to say hello, but for some reason... It, it wasn't heard. It was either that or you were ignoring me. It was one or the other. Sorry, but, Bessie, uh, no, I, did, I didn't you're, hear you. Sorry, you're, you're, uh, you're most welcome onto the show, as is everyone else who wants to call us. But yes, John, good point. Yet, yeah, I so think that, you're he's, absolutely he's, right with Keno. He's, he's not right, Keno, but in saying that, what one's done less? I watched an interview with Gary Lineker yesterday. We, uh, my, 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 my laddie sent me it with, with Eddie Howe. And uh, I mean, maybe maybe I'm just a, a dinosaur, but um, and I heard some of the positive stuff that the 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 
And that Bestie said there, that you said Bestie, it, it reminds some of the stuff he was speaking about, so just the general content was, uh, it reminded me of some of the stuff that I read in Rogers' book. Not, not that that's failed him necessarily, but um, full of management speak, quotes for Eric Cantor in the wolf. That's where you're getting your quotes. I'm, I'm not convinced. Uh, you know, if people looking for life coaches and, 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 and gurus, it made me think of managers like Jockstein, Matt Busby. Bill Shankly, coming from mining community, communities where uh, Shankly famously said football's a form of socialism without the politics. I, I don't know. Is, is Eddie Head how the man? Now, he might be, he might be the best manager we've not had yet. But um, I certainly, and I'll certainly back him if he comes here as a, as, as a Celtic manager. But just here, I'll, I'll, finish, I'll finish briefly, but maybe I was dreaming in terms of a Ralph Franjic that I thought could come in and, and, and Revolutionise the, the, the whole revolutionise the whole football and safety thing, um, but I didn't think Martinez or maybe a Sean Maloney was 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 a would would be entirely out out, out the question. So where's the evidence? Do you think that we didn't? Uh, sorry, sorry, John. Where's, where's the evidence that? Uh, where's the evidence that the that how's the man? For, for the jobs I said I'll be renewing my ticket out of respect I'd just be glad to, to get back to Celtic Park with my, uh, with my son and hopefully with my, with my, my grandson uh, for, for the first time uh, but, but sh- should I be excited should I be excited about Eddie Howe maybe I should be excited and see if I'm missing something and I should be excited about Eddie Howe or indeed Ed, uh, Roy Keane I, I wish somebody would tell me but thanks very much for giving us a chance lads and, and, and letting us come on I really to say what uh, you're welcome any time, but, but I agree with you about how. I'm not too excited about it at all. Uh, I, I never wanted keen either right enough, but I'd have rather we went and get some young foreign coach that was going to come in with mod- really modern ideas and things like that. I mean, I put Koku, is it Koku you pronounce it? <coughs> Dutch guy, Philippe Koku. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's won league title in Holland and that. Right, it didn't go I, too well at Derby, but... It, I think the position... Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Sorry, I was just going to say it didn't go too well at Derby, but that championship's chewed up better managers than that before. I think the position we find ourselves in as fans, and ultimately, look at the end of the day, the reason anyone's on the forum or anyone's listening to the podcast is because we are all first and foremost fans of Celtic Football Club, and we're now. <clears throat> You know, as well as hurting from a, a, a shocking season, we're now in a position where we find ourselves managerless and we're all very keen. Uh, pardon the pun. <laughs> we're, we're all, JB Jobs in there, isn't it? But oh, we're all very, very keen to, to, to try and re-establish a sense of normality. And when we hear a name being bandied around, you know, it's, it's either, no, I don't want him, or I do want him. And those that do want him... But the focus is in negatives. You say a name to somebody, and the first thing they'll say is, oh, but you get relegated with so-and-so. Well, exactly. That doesn't make any difference. Exactly. I, I, I think what we are showing ourselves to be is a group of fans. I, I don't mean just us. I mean every Celtic fan. You know, we are fans who do not tolerate anything except winning. And we're now finding ourselves on the back foot and we don't like it. 
and we're trying to find a crumb of comfort somewhere and whether that's in Eddie Howe or Roy Keane or whoever it may be uh, we we just want to re-establish a sense of normality to give us the opportunity to move forward and that's what we're lacking at the moment Can I just put out a question there to John John do you think there's so like just going by what you're saying there like that the, the Celtic board didn't broaden their search to look for managers because what I've been reading here is it's only kind of two managers really that, that that keep popping up and they kept popping up from the start was Roy Keane and Eddie Howe. No one else has been linked really to the job or no one else has really had talks. So it's just that these two men are the only people that they really talked to was Eddie Howe and Roy Keane and they didn't oh. look further than them. Paul, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have any answers. You know, I, I, I just all, all I can say is that the names that's been mentioned, Stevie Clark, big no for me. Yeah, uh, Roy Keane, big no. Eddie Howe, who knows? But where's the evidence to tell me I should be excited? No, I'd be excited just in Brighty Parkhead. You know, never mind for, for any reason. But um, where's the reason to tell me I should be excited about? Yeah, about, you same know, question and, to yourself, Solomon. What's, what, what's at the back of my mind is since Rogers, since Rogers left. And Neil Lennon was appointing the shows, and we've seen we've seen the, an increasing disconnect for the board to the fans. For me, we've been treated with contempt. The whole, the whole, see everything. You know, some of the statements have come out. Best was talking about about the standard English the other week there, and the statement that was made. One, some of the statements that have come for the for the club look as if they've been written by five or six. You know, some of the some of the stuff the board's allowed themselves to be to to, to be dragged out. Now, I would never come. I wouldn't go on a radio Clyde or go on any for The only reason I'm even speaking here and there in the views is because I know I'm among my own, or I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be sharing what, what, what I'm sharing. But I just wonder. What's what's Dermot Desmond's role now? Is there more, is there a bigger problem behind behind the scenes? Am I as confident as I would have been ten years ago that Celtic were going to do the professional thing and get the right answer? No, I'm not. Well, I think you're right, John, because I think certain actions over the last few seasons by the club have shown that not only is there a disconnect between the club and the fans, but it also leads you to wonder: is there a is there a disconnect even at the top level of the club? And is the change from Lowell to Mackay going to fix that connection? Who knows? We you know we're all in it. We're all in the situation where we're wondering, we're guessing. You know, as far as the new manager is concerned, you know, we've spoken to Eddie Eddie Howe officially. Did we speak to Roy Keane officially? Did we speak to any other managers? Did we even take the trouble to sign those other managers out or those other potential managers? Did we even take the trouble to sign them out? The problem is the fans don't even have the confidence in the club to even have done that. Correct. Exactly. That's why I think that they really kind of just stuck to kind of a, a person who's out of, out of contract at this moment, is, is anyhow a cheap option that they don't have to buy someone out of contract with in, in a foreign club? Wouldn't they say it would be a cheap option, Paul? Oh, you'd be the wages, see with the wages they'll be getting, I wouldn't say it'd be a cheap option. No, I'm not saying a cheap option as in a weekly wage, but I'm saying that we don't have to buy him out of a contract or, or thing. He's a, do you think we would have went for Eddie Howe if he was still I don't at Bournemouth, Mark? I think we could have afforded him. I think if Eddie Howe was still in Bournemouth and they were still in the Premier League, he wouldn't have considered coming to Celtic anyway. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know his contract situation was, but I don't think we could have afforded it to even ask Bournemouth. They'd have wanted crazy money for him. To his contract. 
One thing we haven't heard anything about, and I know it was muted uh, a, a couple of months ago or a few months ago, was the talk that potentially Dermot Desmond's son was going to come onto the board and be, uh, you know, a, an integral part of the board. But apart from the early rumours of that story, it never really, gra- it it never really built up any head of steam or gained any sort no, of kind proper of, foothold. It kind of died out when it kind of came out after a couple of days, really, didn't it, Chad? You know? Well, I, 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 Desmond's place at the AGM, wouldn't it? That helped push that story forward a bit as well. I mean, I think Desmond, but I think Desmond just, just they call him on websites, not an absentee landlord, but I think that's what he wants to be. He doesn't want to be really involved in the day-to-day running. That's why he gets these CEOs in. He, he's happy to have his shares and stay in the background, but when things things go wrong, he makes his move. I read a, I read an article I'd be about all the champion <clears throat> failures over the years and no qualifying. They should have done this and should have done that. But over the last few years, we've look at the trophies we've won. You can't. You still can't. Lowell has got to take some of the credit for that. Oh, without doubt, yeah, without doubt. Without I think doubt. Lowell deserves to take a huge amount of credit. When it went well, we took the credit, and when it's no went well, he's fell in his sword. Or Desmond yeah, swung yeah. the sword. We'll never know. But you know, doesn't it show you the fickleness of football fans and what we'll tolerate and what we won't? Uh, and you know, football fanship is a very fickle activity. You know, we we only remember the last result. You know, we only remember this season. We don't look back and say, well, do you know, in all fairness, uh, you know, yeah, we've won nine in a row and we've won a quadruple treble. To us, fans of Celtic. It's not good enough because this season has ruined it. And I think there was a huge. Um, you know, let's be honest. If we had, if we had achieved ten in a row, how would it have left anyway? I think we yeah, would have left anyway. However, how would it have benefited the club going forward apart from having the bragger the bragging rights? Bestie. Yes, John. Bestie, I, I think I think. Uh, you know, it's. Um, I don't know if you heard Stevie G was quoted this morning. I mean, no, I'm, I'm not remotely interested in what they do or, or what they do, and I generally mean that. I mean, if they would never appeared again after like, uh, liquidation or whatever happened to them, um, it would have been a day too soon for me. I, I don't know how many arguments I've had with Celtic, some Celtic supporters over the years that define themselves by them. Um, certainly, certainly, this isn't one of them. If they were playing at the back, I wouldn't open the curtains. Um, Stevie G said the, he's looking forward to playing us in the cup, and uh, under any manager, under Eddie Howe or anybody else. Now he should never, he should never, we should never be in this position. It's been a monumental act of self-harm, yeah. but, but we are where we are. It's done. We've lost the ten. Nobody was any more disappointed. But it is what it is, and, and that's not the way. You know, nothing's going to change that. There's people lost significantly more this year. This fair factor that I had a ten in a row. But my biggest concern is 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 just what we're touching on here is 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 when I look at the I look at the lack of foresight in terms of you're, you're speaking. There are too many people settled for just being better than them. Where where was the investment to compete in Europe? Lennon in the showers, the disconnect with the fans, some of these things. Is there a bigger problem? Are we? 
Well, exactly, and that's what that's what made me, you know, that that's what prompted me to think, John, as I'd mentioned there earlier, you know, is, you know, is there a bigger disconnect not just between the club and the fans, but exactly. internally within the I club? Think, I think I think you could. I think I think uh, Mark mentioned there about uh, Desmond as well, absentee landlord, which is every right to be. It's his money, and uh, he who pays a paper calls the tunes. They say. Um, at the end of the day, we're, we're the club. If that's how he wants to run the club, is it, I can't be the only one that's sitting, sitting wondering if he, Dermot Desmond is as up for it as he once was. Like yourselves, I thought that he, when he, it was rumoured his, his laddie was going to get put in, I thought, well, he wouldn't put his laddie in there as a sacrificial lamb. So that's probably a, that's probably a, a good sign. But like you mentioned earlier on, very little been said of that since. We've got a, rug, a rugby man in charge uh, coming in, and we've got we've got Lowell heading out the door. Who's, despite all the criticisms we can leave him from a business perspective, um, he could have looked after my money any day of the week. Oh um, yeah, can he fault him? Uh, done in the bit. Hundred percent. Can he fault him for the contract deals he got us and everything? I mean, year he was getting better deals, and even when they weren't in the league and the money was drying up in the league, he was still. Providing us a high, high level of sponsorship, not blue kind of things in that. I think the, the short deal was a great, uh, was a great deal for the club. They finally getting Adidas in to make the, the the jerseys and stuff like that. That was a great deal by Lars. Well, uh, just going back to what you're saying there, John, on on Stephen Gerrard saying he's not afraid to get Celtic in the cup anymore. I think that's a problem within the board, letting Rangers get so close to us in sh- so little time. You know, that this fair fact of Rangers playing Celtic is actually gone at this moment. And I think it's nearly the other way around. Now that Celtic are have this fear of playing Rangers in the Cup rather than Rangers fair us. I think I think there's absolutely no doubt about that, Paul. I think, uh, and I'm not making excuses for Celtic. Celtic don't, uh, you know, as I say, it's been a monumental act of uh, self-harm. They're failure at every level of the club. For Desmond down, for Desmond to uh, Peter Lowell, to, to Neil Lennon. To the players, there's nobody exonerated here, as far as I can see. Which was, um, you know, there's there's nobody beyond nobody beyond criticism. We should we should never we should never have been in this. Uh, we should never have been in this position. No, but too many fans were just happy to be top dog in Scotland. Exactly right. Just as long as we were one yeah. step in front of them, that was all that mattered. And I think the board thought like that as well. And yeah. I think really ultimately that shows a lack of real of, of real ambition for a club like Celtic that should be capable of, of of achieving so much more. You know, even if we're playing in the Scottish you know the Scottish league, which is not a top European league, Celtic has a structure and a fan base. Uh, uh, that should have propelled them on to achieving more than they did on the European stage. And yes, as you say, yeah, there was too much focus on just being one step ahead of them in Scotland that, that there was about achieving what we actually could, could on a European basis that a club like Celtic should be achieving. But I read an interesting article this morning on one of the Celtic websites. Now, not the official Celtic, it was one of the, just one of the the sort of dedicated Celtic news sites. And it was saying the next manager coming in is in the best position of any manager since Martin O'Neill came in. Because Martin O'Neill came in at a time when there was a huge amount of work needed. And to a certain degree, Martin O'Neill got what Martin O'Neill wanted. 
And because of the decline this season, the new manager coming in is hopefully in a position where the club are saying, OK, you tell us what you need to do this. And giving them uh, a, a greater scope for doing what they wanted instead of having Lennon, who was at the end of the day, you know, he was simply going to bow to what Lawwell wanted him to do. Rogers tried to change it, and I genuinely think when Rogers came, he had a sincere intention to be at Celtic for three or four seasons. I think he really had the intention, but he found that he was making so many obstacles that it made it untenable for him. Because whilst, yes, Celtic was going to be his main focus, he is first and foremost a professional football manager, and he has to look after his own credibility and his own reputation as well. And I think he was put in a position where he had to decide, I can't do both at this club because of the way it's run. I have to choose what's right for them or what's right for me. And he did what most of us would do in any walk of life. He chose what was right for him and for his family. And so hopefully, if, uh, you know, just based on the story that I mentioned, hopefully the new manager in will be given some more control over football than the last couple of managers have I just been given. Miss, Miss Lee, I think I think I think this needs it needs almost rethought and that's that's a question I'm go, I've got I've got and, and you guys are probably you know the rest is we're all, we're all guessing here but you know is there the business I came in is there the foresight there just now to be to, to be looking at Celtic you're exactly right being champion among the bums isn't good enough just being better than them was never should never have been the bench the benchmark the gap I, I, my son and I sat together just the the traditional you know, traditional Rangers and just right next to the Green Brigade uh, the gap was closing I don't know how many times our Kieran had, had said to us over the last few years anybody that thinks the 10s are given this back before 9 I think anybody that thinks the, nine, the gap is the closing you saw that the year before they collapsed the latter part of the season uh, the gap was closing losing the 10 with hindsight wasn't a um, uh, really isn't the surprise it should have been albeit the recruitment was horrendous some of the decision making was terrible but the model their model should be should uh, uh, Celtic should be enticing the best player like a Ralph Rangie would be able to do bring in players here attract players with the a business model needs to be the opportunity to play in in in, in Europe and accepting that we're not the biggest fish in, in in the sea and that largely what will be is a window to the to the EPL as much as it pains me to say that um, but the chance the opportunity European football getting two or three years out of somebody a team that's a blend of the best of youth that's looking to be in the short window and, and establish players that are, that are not going to cost a fortune that maybe can get us a bit of success in, uh, as far as we possibly can in Europe. But is there somebody in there thinking the big picture here? Is there somebody thinking that knows it just needs, that being better, being better than the mob and govern is not enough? And it's not, it's, it's not enough for me and it's, it, it's not enough for many, many people. We, we need to... The potential at Celtic Park is is massive if that model is embraced. But I'm, I'm I've just got concerns just now that, that, that there's the 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 right people there at the moment that are thinking these thoughts and thinking the thinking big thoughts. Got to give guy a chance. I mean, he's not even in the door yet. It's up to. So I've got to hope that he's going to come in. Aye. Yep. He's yep. coming. Yep. Through things. Yep. Yeah. Coming in and just keeping doing what Lawler was doing and trying to keep us at that level. 
He's yep. going back to and say, this is what we want to be doing in five years' time. How, exactly right. Yeah. How did we get there? That's basically... I just want to go... He doesn't yeah. know how to get there on the football side of things, whereas Lovell thought he did. So yeah. I, this guy will be coming in and listening to football people and letting them make the decisions, and that will make all the difference. Yeah, I, John, I, John, would you say that I absolutely agree with you because our target should never have been the 10. Our target should have been getting big on the European stage. And if we did that, then the 10 would have came naturally. I just want to comment on right. and your yep. question to you about that. It's like, so we're, we're saying oh, we should be broadening it, we should be looking for Europe. But the failings in Europe in this year, in my mind, is that we always waited for to see if we we're going to qualify for the Champions League. And if we didn't qualify, that depended on our transfer business. So is Mackay going to come in and kind of change this, get the players in before we go into the qualifiers? Or is it is it too little time now for a new manager to make these decisions? Well, I think what's important in that, Paul, and it was part of that article I'd read uh, mm-hmm. online this morning, is that Mackay's coming in. He's not a football man. He knows he's not a football man. So he is going to listen to others at the club who are football people. And they're going to tell him what they need rather than him telling them what they're getting, which is the problem that we have. And is that the same or same or then? Well, no, 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 absolutely not. I think because Peter Peter Lowell was the man who, listen, nobody, overall, if you look at Peter Lowell's tenure at Celtic, you have to say it has been a rip-roaring success financially. Um, you know, c- compared to what it could have been if they had an average Joe in that job, but the problem the problem has been that Lowell was clearly the dictator of everything that happened on the football side, mm-hmm. and Lowell knew nothing about football, but he still took control and he took oh, guys. Exactly. You know, he, he you know he faced yeah, he faced up part left exactly yeah. part left. It was just didn't Lowell. Well, exactly. You know, Lowell faced up to football guys at the club and basically said, I'm I'm the top man. You'll do what I tell you to do, as opposed to saying to them, guys, tell me what do we need to do? And if we can fit it into the model, then we will do what you want to do because you're the expert and I'm not. But Lowell seemed to become involved and appoint himself as the the football manager at the club. Well, that is at least if we believe everything we hear. But the thing is, we hear it from so many sources that there has to be at least a degree of truth in it. So I think, you know, Dom Mackay, I think, brings a breath of fresh air because he's bringing a strategy that is not going to be determined by you know, look at the end of the day, yes, he, you know he's he's going to want to make his position quite clear. As in, look, guys, this is my role within the club. But I hopefully, the mention him if he's doing his job well, really, we'll never need to mention him. Well, exactly, exactly, Mark. You know, it, it's like to say about a football referee. You know, he's got a good game, but you know, w- w- when when he doesn't draw attention to himself. Can I just um, come in there just to? Yep. Sure, something there from the live chat from Ter- Ter- Terence Casey said, surely this is what the director of football is for. So, which we said, Dominic McCoy coming in tomorrow, all right, or this week, do we think, do you think that there's a director of football already hired by the club and he's going to be speaking with McCoy or what, what, what way the club should be going? Well, the problem Compared is... Compared with, with Hammond leaving and everything this week, yeah, last well, week. Pa- 
the, the problem is we don't know. Yeah. You know, until we know, we don't know. And, uh, um, you know, I suppose if you look at modern day football with all of the top clubs, they all have someone who fulfills or who fills a role as director of football. That's their job. And they have it agreed between themselves, as with any organization, that everybody knows their role within the uh, within the company. And, uh, you know, I think... If there is going to be a director of football, you would hope that it's going to be someone. You know, people have muted the name of Fergal Keane at Man City, and there's been a couple of other names been thrown around as well. Uh, even what's his name from um, Hughes from Bournemouth? Hughes from Bournemouth, yes. Yep, yep. And, you know, I suppose that's an automatic link because if it is Eddie Howe as manager, then he knows a Richard Hughes, you know, he knows him well, etc. And they've worked together and they've clearly shown they can work together. And he may be a name in the frame if that is what the, what the club have chosen uh, to do. You know, it all comes down to whether the club decides they want a director of football. And all of that could be part of the Eddie Howe negotiation, you know, because it's, you know, with someone like Eddie Howe, if it is co- him coming in, they don't also, you know, they don't only have his his in personal contract to negotiate. They also have any demands that he has as well in order, you know, it, you can offer anyone a position but they may have other conditions that they want fulfilled yeah, as well. Exactly, exactly. Maybe he wants that, or maybe he's saying, no, I don't need that. So these are all the things that we don't know, um, because unfortunately, none of us is part of the negotiation. Not, none of us are part of the negotiation. So, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in the speculation of it, that it could be this and it could be that. I think we'll be in a much better position as fans to look ahead to the next season once we know what tools we have in place and what the club structure is in order to take it forward. And um, whilst we can talk about it all day, it's always going to be speculation, but we can hope, we can hope. I just want to throw that same question to John there. John, do you think we should be going down director of football to modernise the club going forward? I mean, I've heard Mark. Mark's obviously... He, he's keen on that. To, to be honest, I, I don't really, I don't really understand the, the the nuances enough to be able to comment. Can I can I meaningfully in that poem? I, I can't remember what the Douglas Barnes rule was meant to be. The only I remember is I'm still scarred with the disaster that it was. But um, I, I don't, I, basically, I, your director of football is in charge of the full football department, or the scout, yeah. all the way down. And it's like he's see what we're talking about about like a five-year plan or project. Yeah, yeah. He's in charge yeah. of that kind of thing. So see if well, Matt, Matt, that's the type of thing because you made this point a few, a few weeks. You've made it a few times, and, and exactly right. The, the manager, the manager. If that means if a director of football means that a manager can leave, comes and goes in the structure of the club, that the football inside of things is unaffected. That's a big tick in the box. Because well, that's a, that's exactly yeah. the thing. That is how it should be. You know what I mean? Because. <laughs> I keep saying that's the road that we should begin down. It's, it's not just the management side we need to look at here. You look at recruitment has been an unmitigated disaster. You know, since possibly you mentioned John Park there, um, since John Park wasn't here, youth development. Where's the tyrannies in the forest coming through the youth development? And it, in terms of losing the town, you can't even accuse the board. We can't accuse the board of no spending money. They did spend money. 
just didn't spend it wisely. Just going back to the going back to read to the coaches as well about our youth system that we're not bringing these players coming through. I think that's the way. I think that needs a big kind of a look at as well as our is our coaches. Well, in our youth system, is Mac Manus and Darnady good enough to be there, or do we need a whole change coming like that? Something of Bayern Munich stealing half of them. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. But we can't really keep, keep them then either. Yeah. There must be decent enough players at that age if that's the kind of teams that are coming in for them. As you said, Mark, like there's actually no pass for for the young players come the young players coming into the first team, and and that's why I think we actually need a director of football to have that everything in place from the youth system right up to the first team, so that we're producing these players right a year here, a year there. Then we want you to start breaking into the first team. You know, that's that's that should be a plan that we need going forward, really, for the club, isn't it? You know, that's an interesting point you make there, Paul, because I, I think, it, not the last uh, show that we did, but the one before that, you had mentioned that you'd read it somewhere or someone had passed it on to you, that every youth player coming into Celtic is given a strategy mm-hmm. about how to, how, to, how to live, how to behave, how to train, how to do this, and, yeah. you know, and a path to the first team. And, you know, it just goes to show you, or at least makes you question, there must be a breakdown in that process if it's not happening for exactly. any of them. Exactly, exactly. There's a breakdown there somewhere within the youth academy and to the first, even not, not just to the first team, really, to the reserves. Because when they get to reserves, that's where these players actually stay and they don't break into the first team after the reserve team. You know, they just stay... That's where you need your manager and coach to buy into the, the idea as well. I mean, mm-hmm. the size of first team squad we've got. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how do you bring young players into that? But manager, <coughs> manager, you need a manager that's going to say, I, I want to help bring on young players. Lennon didn't he? I think that's going like the, going by buying the, buying the wrong players, really. In this, that buying players just for the sake of it. Buying players that aren't they good enough. Yeah, and it's just bulked up the squad and bulked up the squad, and there's been no space in the first team squad for kids to get a spot. It's also there was I think we'd mentioned on a previous podcast it was it was either the last one the one before we had said you know these some of these guys were coming in and they knew you look at the end of the day if you get a group of young if you get a group of lads together what do they do they talk to each other and. You know, young lads were coming into the Celtic youth squad, you know, guys who had came from other clubs with big potential and big big promise and so on. And they were coming in. And you can bet your life that the lads were there were saying, you know, don't be getting your hopes up. He, in, in, in the last couple of years, I'm referring to Lennon, he's not going to give you a chance. Not, not one of us has, has been able to make the breakthrough because of him. And, you know, okay... Is it down to them? Is it down to Lennon? Well, they're certainly not going to blame themselves, but that's the way the chat is going to go amongst a group of lads or a group. Listen, a group of girls down in the pub is exactly the same thing. You know, uh, you've no chance with him because he didn't like any of us. You know, it's 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 the same thing. You know, it's, it's just human nature. It's the way people think. But I think, you know, one of... What is what has proven and is going to be proven as our most disastrous signing in the last four years 
has been Lennon been in charge for the last two because whilst his intention listen nobody can doubt Neil Lennon's commitment to Celtic Neil Lennon is Celtic through and through his entire family are Celtic through and through and I know a couple of his extended family they only live six miles away from where I live I I met him once very very briefly but uh, some years ago when he was a player but uh, Neil Lennon never ever possessed the qualities that were required to work at the level that Celtic asked him to. Now, that's a failing on two sides. It's a failure It's a failure on Lennon's part because he didn't have the ability. It's a failure on the club's part because we asked him. And we give, uh, you know, you can say, well, you can give someone an opportunity, you know, but at the same time, you know, you're not going to ask someone who works on the production line in a factory on a Friday to suddenly head up the company on the Monday morning. It's not going to work because they don't have the experience. They don't know. Or they're, it's not just experience. Some people just don't have quality to do the job that they're asked to do. Best and day. I think I think that's where we find with Lennon. Best day. I was, I was, I mean, we could argue, I think Neil, no, nobody's a bigger Neil Lennon fan than me. And, and we could, you know, we could debate all day whether the whether the Lurgan line. I, I, personally, I personally don't think that. Um, I don't think that Lennon alone was able to do the damage that's been done across the club top to bottom this season single handedly. Yeah. I don't think Neil Lennon can be blamed for for recruitment. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he. I don't think he can be blamed for for, for so many of the bad decisions that was made top top to bottom. But that's history. And the main thing is just moving moving forward. And are moving on, John. Here, are we sitting here thinking Eddie? Who is the man to take us forward? Many might be, but where's the evidence of that? And, and why should we be excited? Well, the thing about the thing about Eddie High is, you know, he, he he clearly well, he is considered to be a very forward-thinking coach. But the reality is, John, if you were given the choice to appoint someone of your choice, let's say it came down to you, who would you choose, and more importantly, why would you choose them? I, th- I think even. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not close enough to, to, to know even who, who the options are. But Ralph, if, if Ranyi was not was not possible, somebody that somebody that could restructure that football inside for recruitment, youth, youth development, whatever, somebody that can help, that could uh, tapped into the model Celtic, uh, the model Celtic, uh, given bringing the, the best youths for Europe, blending that with established players. Uh, as I said, to, uh, they offer a European football and and EDPL being a, 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 a window with EPL. Potentially, I don't know, Martinez, I think Martinez and Maloney might even have got me, um, might even have been a bit more attractive. But I, look at, I listened to his, his interview with Lineker the other night there, I heard what he had to say. I've looked at his CV and uh, and I, I, listen, I'll, I'll be renewing my season ticket anyway. That's just I'm just a I'm just a, I'm just a lost cause. I'll I'll just be back here. Doesn't matter whether they put Lennon back there again. I think um, we're all John. I think we're all in the same position. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. we're always going to support the club, exactly. and we're always going to be proud to put on the hoops, and we're always going to be, you know, uh, standing at Parkhead and wishing that we were one of the eleven that was chosen to walk onto the pitch. Uh, but um, 
Yeah, you know, so you know, for ninety nine percent of Celtic fans, that is going to be, you know, that's what's going to happen, even if we find ourselves demoted into the championship in the next few seasons. You know, should should something as bizarre as that were to happen, we're still going to be fans of the club. Uh, but you know, we're all finding ourselves just in that position where there is a lot. There's clear. There's clearly a lot of frustration among Celtic fans, and. The vast majority of it is rightly placed as well because we feel that the club have let us down as fans. 100%. And yep. Not yep. not just because we've been so used to winning over you know the league for the last nine seasons. It's the fact that it you know I think for a lot of fans, uh, or I think I speak on behalf of a lot of fans when I say we feel that we take the club more seriously than the club takes itself. Yep. Moving on, the last question, we're going to finish up with John. So, John, looking forward to next season, uh, with the gap being so close at the moment between ourselves and Rangers, are we going to find it hard to win the title back next season from Rangers? I mean, I, I, I probably was, I was probably in Mark's side with this one. I, I don't think somebody was. People had suggested on the forum it was going to take years, and I, I, I don't, I don't see that. But um, I'm probably Mark. I think the right man. And uh, you, you imagine the. Remember the impact that Rogers had when he came in. Exactly. We played them, and I remember saying to my son that day, "Nothing's changed on the park here. The only, the only, the only thing that's changed here is the man in the dugout." So there, there's no there's no doubt about the impact that I had in saying that I qualify that getting the right man in the dugout is is, is undoubtedly massively important. But the, the whole there's still questions mark over the the board, the youth development, recruitment. You know where, where's the next John Park coming for? I mean Hammond's obviously away. I don't see a lot coming for Lennoxton the way that it was coming through Lennoxton like a like a. A conveyor belt. No, I don't think it should take years if we get the right man. You know, there's a bit of me thinks that they're buying average, but there's another bit of me realizes that some of the results that they've had in Europe tells me that the um, the uh, Stevie G has has obviously put something together there that's maybe worthy of more credit than I'd probably be willing to. Uh, yeah, that's what we were kind them. of talking about. That Rangers this year and, and what Stevie G has that put into Rangers is actually a structure that the players know what they were doing. They were blind players that would fit yep. the way yep. Rangers played, John. You know, and that's the thing. If we get the right manager, have these players playing the way he wants them to play and bring in new players that will fit his system, we'll all, we'll all go for next season, I think. You know? So, lads, I think we're going to finish it there. John? Okay, so can I finish just by saying thanks very much for, for giving us a, an opportunity to, uh, to come on and speak. And, and uh, I hope I've not sounded... Um, Hope I've not sounded negative. I'm certainly not, and it's uh, we're an Easter. We, we don't give any despair. We're an Easter people. How are you? Like well, well, strong. Team John. Yes, John. And all, John, in all fairness, in all fairness, John, you, you know you do bring a wonderful insight, um, and it's, it's it's great to hear your opinion. And you know it's it's clearly a very measured opinion on on how you see Celtic going forward. And I think most fans would share that that that's what we need. We need a measured approach. We need common sense to apply to it, and we need a structure within the club that'll allow that to go forward. So, John, you're so much well. You're very welcome, and you're very welcome on every single future show that we have if you have the time and the interest to do it. 
Thanks very much, talk. guys. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity. So You're very welcome. Cheers now. John, bye. Bye. Good good That's it for tonight. Well if you want to get in contact with the show, please contact us on the forum and let us know beforehand if you're coming on. For myself, Paul, thank you very much. Chris, yep. yourself? Yep, folks, thank you very much for listening. It's been wonderful to have you all uh, coming along this evening. You may not agree with everything we say, but at the end of the day, just remember, we're passionate Celtic fans like you are. And please, please, do keep contributing. Do keep coming online whenever we're, uh, the shows are available. Do post, put messages onto the forum and so on. Come onto the show, ask us questions, and if you want to come live, uh, and give your own opinion, then you're more than welcome to do it. It was lovely to see John tonight, and I hope he's the first of many that come and join us. Mark? Right, OK. Thank, just like to thank Paul and Bestie for helping, as always, uh, everybody for tuning in, and JFP for being, well, really my first real caller for Bestie. John phoned once, and we can't get rid of him now. <laughs> but, <laughs> Again, thanks everybody for the subscriptions. We're over at 300. We're over 300 now. If you're not subscribed, hit the button for us and give us a thumbs up. Right, thanks very much, guys. Good night. God bless. Good night, folks. Right, right. This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel.